Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Great to be with you today. Keith and I had this wonderful conversation today about the theatrical experience, what it means for Regal to be shutting down and possibly going to bankruptcy, but this evolution of something great that can come for the format, for the people that enjoy films, and really this overall theatrical thing we love. So welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. I'm gonna tell you something. I went to the movies this last week on Monday. Oh, nice. With Brad Pitt. Oh, one. What it's a it's okay. a good movie. It's a fun movie. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. I basically just grabbed an open seat at a theater that was like, "What's the late? What's the next one playing?" Okay, Bullet Train. Sure, I'll just take that and see what that plays out. Super fun. Um, didn't know really what to expect. Uh, just just loved it. But um, I the reason why I went to the movies is I had time and I thought to myself, I I just I love the. F- I love to watch movies in the theater, right? It's kind of what we talked about here. It's a good way to kind of like take some time away, get some air conditioning, jump in there and watch something. I did have to buy a ticket by myself because it was just me. Um, and then I got into the theater and my seat, because it's assigned now, right? That's like the new trend. Get your assigned seats is between people. And the seats like... So I have to sit here, my assigned seat, scrunch between the stranger on my right and my stranger on my left. Even though like two people over, there are four seats where people didn't show up. <laughs> and I thought to myself, did we ruin the movie theaters by making it like too luxurious? Did we try to be like, oh, you can reserve your seat and get all this stuff. In reality, I would have enjoyed the movie more if I just would have walked in, looked for an open seat and grabbed it. So I'm wondering, like, did I wonder if we changed theaters so much trying to catch up to or try to make it more luxurious? We're missing some of that normal, like, just grab a seat and enjoy yourself kind of uh, experience. I mean, yeah, I I think that's part of it. Um, You know, it does seem like there is an aspect of just showing up that is somewhat a part of the theatrical experience but i think it was the reason it was instituted was it was an easy way to try to make improve upon the experience without putting any money down basically <laughs> which yeah, is get an app and choose a seat but now they're like, buying a buying a freaking ticket it's like a it's like buying a hundred dollar concert ticket you know sign in choose your seat get the i'm like i swear we used to just like walk up to the box office Two tickets, please. <laughs> Grab the thing, give someone a piece of paper, and you walk in and you kind of just. I don't ever remember like having struggling with, you know, having me and my date separated or something like that, you know, because the theater couldn't handle us. I don't know. I don't know what we're trying to accomplish here. I, I, you know, you know, we've talked a lot about this throughout our almost hundred episodes of Hollywood breaks that the experience itself has gone downhill and has not improved. And again, I think that is just one way where they feel like they can make an improvement without having to spend any money. And people feel like, okay, you know, you take sort of like the arc light, which is as for those of you who don't know, the arc light is it's a, a, a chain of theaters in, um, well, it used to be a chain of theaters. I don't think they're around anymore. I think they, went under but uh it was a chain of theaters in, Lo- in the greater los angeles area and i think they branched out to 
Chicago, maybe one, they went branched out to one other city, but they were very luxurious. So what, given what you're comparing it to, you'd walk in, it was easy. There was a bar, you could have food. They only played two trailers before every movie. So it was very like, you knew like you weren't going to get bombarded with 10, like you do with like an AMC and you, you were able to select your seat. And you would go in and you could sit wherever you wanted. And But again, to your point, Tim, you would run into the issue where you'd sit down and then the entire theater is basically empty and then someone can sit right next to you. And you're like, really? Because it's an assigned seat. Because that's what was assigned to me. Sorry, that's what yeah. was assigned to me. So that's why I go. Um, but again, I think part of the reason that that became a fact, I mean, you know, I think COVID also factors into this as well, being able to, you know, assign a seat. So people, there was buffers back when that was necessary. And yeah. Um, so I think, I think that may be a part of the thing as well, but it's an interesting thing. Cause I never really thought about it being something that you'd long for the idea of just walking in and just picking a seat. Like for me personally, that was always a source of anxiety. Like I oh, was really? always the one, uh, yeah, I was always the one who wanted to get to the theater because I loved to watch the trailers. Um, and you know, my family was always sort of like, well, we'll get, you know, we'll get there. You know, it's all right. We're, we're, you know, my family was not one known to be on time all the time. Um, so when I'd go to the theater, I was always get anxious about like, where am I sitting? Where are we going to get a seat? If it's, especially if it's like a big movie on an opening weekend, like, where are we going to sit? But here's what's missing. This is like, this is sounds so strange. Um, because of course, if you ask me what I would want, I would never want this, right? This is uh, my kids. know I would poke my eyes out or rather poke my eyes out than want, than want this, but this is what's missing. And I think is what's missing in some of the theater environment. We're missing the line. There are no more lines. So big opening weekend, no one is standing around for two hours waiting to get in. So you can have the seat in the middle. You don't have that energy buildup. You don't have the thought of like, it's exciting. The, the, I'm afraid if I don't show up, I'm not going to get the piece of it. There's no buildup. So it's all like super luxury. I I mean, the the stupid MFers that buy the seat in the middle all the time, I can never get it. I'm like, what the hell? How, like, <sighs> I feel like it's like a, you know, a black market trade to get the good seats now because... Instead of no, I used to, you know fight my way to the front or whatever. So I don't love lines as I'm saying, but there's something about the entire like energy of the environment that we've turned into, you know, like a I don't know what this is. A too it's too luxury. It's not accessible um, like it used to be. It's funny that you think of that because one of my fondest memories. And this is going to date me, but not that anyone would be surprised. But. Um, well, I went, I grew up in a very small, a small town uh, outside of Pittsburgh. Um, and we had like two theaters in our town and there, one was a three screen and the other one was a two screen and the two screen one would usually run, um, later movies. So we had one theater that would, you know, premiere and it was three, it was, you'd walk in and there were like three, you know, marquees each with, you know, the name of the movie. <laughs> And that was it. And there was a little concession stand and there was a place where you stood to get your ticket. And then that was it. I remember when Batman, the original Burton version came out and the place when my brother and I went to see it, because my brother and I went to see it together, was mobbed. It was mobbed. And I remember that and just remembering how 
it just made me even it's the you talking just made me think of it made me even more excited to see the movie because the place was packed and i also was just going to say before you know um previously we were talking about anxiety when i went to see titanic the first time this was like week two or three because it was um I think it came Titanic out. was the one I was thinking of. Avatar and Titanic were last ones I yeah. think I've seen. Yeah. Well, I was literally standing in line with my buddies because we had, you know, everyone was talking about this movie and we're all like, Titanic, really? And I just remember I, I was anxious because I was like, shit, where am I going to sit? Yeah. <laughs> what what crappy no, I- seat are we going to get? Are we going to be way up front? I'm going to be like this the whole time. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are those are some of my fondest memories. I mean, I still remember my time in LA, you know, when I would go see I would try to avoid opening weekends just because they were just crazy. And I would go like on a Sunday morning or early Saturday afternoon. And I remember seeing the little, uh, the line signs that say for each screening of the big movies. And you knew that that's where people were going to stand. Like I the Grove, the AMC Grove. I don't know what it's like now. It used to be Pacific theaters. I think it's an AMC now. Um, that place was always mad ha- madhouse on a Saturday. I mean, it was just a scene. Yeah, Santa Monica Third Street Promenade. Yeah, you would, would walk down, and you basically there, when you got near the theaters, you had got a crowd to the left because the theaters were taking up the lines mm-hmm. that were there. And there's just something to I I, ha- I don't know how to like explain it, but I feel like there was some sort of mathematics that we've calculated out of the theatrical mm-hmm. world by giving precision to where you're going to sit, how many people are going to be there. So it feels like, oh, we gained efficiency, which we did, yeah. right? Standing around in a line is not very efficient. That's why it drives me crazy. We gained all this efficiency, but what we did is what used to be five showings became four showings. And then you don't get the spontaneous people filling in the mm-hmm. blanks, right? So on Sundays, there'd have to be five screenings of mm-hmm. a movie because the ones in the middle would be, are you afraid to be sold out? So you would jump in two more on a, on a Sunday mm-hmm. morning. Now, I, if those four are sold out, the theater doesn't realize who's walking away. Yeah. They don't realize who checked the app, can't buy a seat, and isn't showing up anymore. So the so I think that theaters are reacting. I don't That's know. It's, it's uh, with Regal going bankrupt. I've just been thinking about like, yeah, what what has changed, um, and not just what I nostalgically miss, but did mm-hmm. we did we break something along the way with tech? And I don't just mean OTT viewing and screening like Netflix, but like the theatrical experience is a high tech experience. You have to have a cell phone to buy a ticket <laughs> to go watch a movie. And then they tell you, put your cell phone away, ironically. But, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, the, the whole sort of I, you brought up another scenario that I think I had multiple times when I was going to the theater was you go in and you see the showing you want to see is sold out. So you look and say, well, what else is playing? And you go to another, to another movie. Yeah, exactly. Because you wanted the date with your girl. You didn't care. If you the, didn't care like, okay, if the movie was sold. If it was sold. I mean, listen, yeah. if you're doing your due diligence, you know whether or not the movie's going to be sold out. And so, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. granted, it, but your it mom has drops you off late. Yeah, you right. If your really friends drop you, and then you show up and you're like, oh, we can't go see it, but let's go see this instead. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's one of those things where that's another experience, but I think it, it's where the whole tech side of it comes. I mean, the tech side of it, I think, is the phones, the sort of the convenience of booking the ticket, and then also, obviously, with the advances in streaming and the ability to watch movies from your phone or from your computer or at home and not really needing to go in the shrinking windows and all these things that have sort of happened 
that have just sort of cannibalized the theatrical experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think is is in part and parcel why, as you just alluded to, companies like Regal have now are looking like they're going to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which means a lot less theaters in the U.S., which is, the, I think, for companies like Warner Brothers Discovery that are doubling down on this idea of theatrical, it, it's going to present a problem for them. Yeah, it's, it's the, the viewing experience is part of, you know, the overall, I'm going to say, as we've touched like a, a hundred times in a hundred episodes, really, um, we've touched it like the theatrical experience is part of the reason why we call it films instead of TV or something like that, right? Or getting away from this gross word content. It's a disgusting word of like, you know, filler, something to put inside your, your, you know, brain dead mind or whatever is what content means to me. But like filmmaking has this idea of what the audience, that the audience is um, part of the experience when you're first screening it and viewing it. So the theatrical moment is there. Um, And I, that, that ability or needing to navigate through a crowd. Um, My wife and I recently were in New York. We went, we actually went to, a, a theater show we watched uh, uh uh i think it was plaza suite um yeah neil simon's plaza suite and you know like the bell rings and 300 people are trying to cram themselves through this doorway and then you enter into a theater and every seat is you know, it's a couple hundred people but every seat is filled in and there's an energy and there's still drinks and popcorn and you know all that stuff but you know like it's about ready to start and it's the, the part of the experience is getting in <laughs> and fighting your way to the center and watching the show and fighting your way out with these, with these people. And I, this efficiency of like I, the theater I was in on Monday might've had 40 luxury seats, right? So they're the r- lazy boy, put your feet up leather reclining things or whatever. But I'm like, wow, are we missing the, yeah, I mean, we are, we're missing the star Wars moment when, near me the cooper theater which had a couple hundred seats seats for the 70 millimeter the line was wrapping around the the block it just went on forever and it was people waiting for a show four hours from now were standing in line because the current show was playing and it was like this awesome experience so i don't know this evolution to me you know you can't reverse any piece of it that's not what we're saying at all but I think there's a, a many things that create this evolution of the format, the type of, of content we're making, uh, the viewing experience, the the work that we want to um, put into, you know, our overall entertainment experience. There's a lot of factors <clears throat> making this thing play out. But it's interesting. That was an interesting moment to me. I'm like, oh, man, this, this kind of sucks. I actually just want to go sit over there in the empty seats. And, you know, if I sat there and someone showed up, they would think I killed their cat or something like that. They would just think, Oh my God. Yeah. And then you miss seat. half the movie. You arguing with the person about whether or not, <laughs> yeah. what seat are you in? Are like, you in the just, right seat? It was Mine just says open. this. It's I'll like move the, back over to my seat. Yeah. It's yeah. the bringing the joy yeah. of the airplane experience to your, your local movie theater, which is always fun. But, uh, so Regal gave it up, huh? Bankruptcy. That's the, well, that's the word in the street. Wall street journal broke it this morning that, um, as we're recording this on Friday, the 19th, that, um, yes, it looks like Regal is going to declare bankruptcy, um, which, as I said, is not spectacular uh, for the theatrical experience in the U.S. Um, it's owned by it, the Regal is owned by a 
company, a UK company called Cineworld. Um, and, you know, the Wall Street Journal took, obviously, as they do, a more business side of things and just mentioned that it, the, one of the reasons why is, you know, just the lack of product. They just don't have the product. Um, there's just not enough movies coming out. Uh, something that Sean McNulty did a nice deep dive, has done some really good reporting in terms of the dearth of movies over the course of the next three or four months. Um, something I mean, Richard Rushfield pointed out to it in his column from Wednesday um, in his usual cheery, chippy, chipper self uh, about sort of the, the, the death march that we're walking into in the next few months because there's just no movies. And so now we have the theater sort of suffering from that. And then also, um, you know, our uh, friend of the podcast, Dallas Saunier, the um, guy, uh, the producer of um, the latest Gina Carano movie and um, head of bon Bonfire Legend posted on his Instagram that, you know, he's not surprised because the experience of most of the regal theaters he's been in are garbage. It's just they're not mm -hmm. nice and um so it goes again to sort of the twofold problem of what we talked about the lack of movies to people to go see and also the fact that the experience has just degraded to the point where people don't feel the need to drop the money that is being you know asked of them now to to go to that experience and so it's sort of it it's it's the culmination of years upon years of neglect and obviously covid threw some of this into to stark re stark relief but at the same time um it's not that surprising yeah i i think the you know um he's making an interesting point of the theatrical experience because um and and i find this true with um, almost everything in life right so you have uh, one group that's trying to upgrade the experience. So they get these better seats and you get this thing that goes and then the heat button. You're like, oh, this is so great for like the first year. And then the seat kind of goes and then it tilts to the side and the heat button doesn't work. And now you're complaining because your heat in your seat and your footrest are not the right reclining angle. And you're thinking, we used to sit in wood seats or whatever, like these little plastic things and just, it was all about the movie and now it's supposed to be everything else. Or, you know, the food you brought me was cold and my steak was not done, medium rare. In the middle of watching a, a, a theatrical experience, I feel like we're the promise was trying to get too high. Like, we're you know, they're trying to overshoot it and now we have even more things to critique than like, shut up, sit down, watch the movie. The movie was everything. I don't, remember what my seat felt like when I was watching Star Wars. I don't have any idea. I just know that Star Wars was incredible. Um, so I think that chasing this theaters trying to chase and compete with home or try to say, oh, well, the home theatrical experience feels like this. Let's replicate that here. Um, let's just say like it was probably good in its time. It's had its moment. Um, and there are still probably some fun experiences that you can get into like the steakhouse that plays movies or whatever. But for the most part, we should really understand. And I think what we're entering into is the new era where the blockbuster is over, right? We know that it's the end of the blockbuster. The theatrical experience is going to be more intimate, maybe even controlled by studios because of the paramount decree being dropped. And therefore the films we're making the the format of the shows and type of shows we're watching are going to have to have a different experience as well to get me to want to show up and be there. Um, and then I wonder, like, 
do we need to drop some of this tech along the way in this new era? Do we need to make it more open, more, you know, dynamic into some degree? Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely worth looking at. I, I think so much of what the tech has brought has, has somewhat, it, your point was really astute in terms of it making it more about the experience than the movie. And I think that's a big part of the problem. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about this. I've wrote about it in my newsletter, sort of this, this grand experience of walking into a theater and just, uh, having that communal experience is part of what going to the theaters is about. We shifted it from this idea of it being a communal experience to this being a very sort of, and I mean, this is a more of a commentary on the culture at large and it's becoming a more of a singular individual experience. And you know, what of our yeah, phones? Totally insular. Yeah. What have our phones yeah. done? No more standing in line. Yeah, Get to, exactly. Yeah. We can deliver the food to your, your right, seat. Right. Totally insular. Yeah. yeah. So it's turned everything into an individual experience versus communal experience. I was, um, I started watching The Offer, which is the Paramount uh, Plus series um, about the making of The Godfather. And there's this one scene um, where uh, Miles Teller's character, who was the producer of The of the Godfather, whose name escapes me, and um, he's sitting there watching Planet of the Apes. And the scene when Charlton Heston walks up and realizes that the Planet of the Apes is actually the, the Earth earth and he sees the statue yeah. of liberty and you can see miles teller sitting there like looking and everyone everyone's talking in the theater it's electric because everyone's like holy shit it's like what it's like to use a more modern it's like sixth sense when they finally realize bruce will bruce willis is actually dead it's like one of those moments when you're in the spoiler theater alert by the way spoiler no, alert <laughs> anybody who hasn't seen it um and it was interesting because then he got up and he was seeing the movie with his girlfriend and she was like, this is all done. We're going to be watching, you know, TV's future. And he's like, no, you cannot replicate this in your living room. Did you see how they reacted when they, you can't replicate this. You just can't. And there it's right. He's hundred percent right. You cannot replicate it in your, in your room. I, I've used the example of Borat. I saw Borat in the theater. I've never laughed so hard in my life. And when I saw it by myself, even though it was the second time, it was not as funny because the crowd around me was in rolling in laughter. Absolutely. And it was just sort of like that. And again, because of these little devices, everything has now become so singular that communal experiences like going to the theater have con just completely been degraded. That, like uh, the, the throwback I have and the experience I want every person watching a film to have is a movie premiere where yeah. it's the cast and the crew and the energy and it's electric and they fill out, you know, man's Chinese theater and it's packed, packed, packed. And every scene that gets extra laughter and extra joy, like the yeah. energy from the crowd because they're so excited and this is the moment and they're looking at themselves. It's just, it's an amazing experience yes, that it you is. clearly can never replicate. Uh, no. And the premiere is like the, the pinnacle, right? Like everything, even the first screening, uh, with your friends doesn't meet the premiere, but the first screening yeah. is just as fun. Um, but I think there's something to this, you know, I think you've asked the question recently, like about comedies, like will comedy survive? Mm -hmm. And I think no, in this current format, we're asking people to stay insular. Like it has to be your joke and especially comedy itself joke, you know, jokes nowadays are so, um, uh, I don't know, pointed, <laughs> it can be very, yeah. um, 
people can have a very visceral, uh, negative visceral reaction to some people's comedy. But the yeah, I mean, idea of making a film that gets back to understanding even a romantic comedy, even somebody that's uh, situational comedy, you mm -hmm. know, maybe this evolution allows for something more intimate again, and maybe something more crowd focused where we could go back to, you know, your Borat experience or go yeah, forward I mean, meet a yeah. new Borat yeah, I mean, it, you bring up the comedy side of it, and um, Matt Bellani and his What I'm Hearing um, uh, had a chat with Chris Bender, who, of former, he's a producer, he was partnered for years with uh, J.C. Spink, may he rest in peace, who passed away a few years ago, um, and Bender Spink, and they were the, uh, the producers of some of the biggest comedies of the 90s and early aughts, like American Pie, I think he was involved in Talladega Nights, or that may have been one he used. But he um, he was talking with Chris because Chris wrote this sort of Jerry Maguire-esque manifesto about comedy and why comedy has sort of like fallen off the wayside. Like you don't see it anymore. You don't see the Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen comedies anymore um, that were really really great not, in the, not theaters. In the theaters yeah i mean well, you, uh, to, yeah but you yeah. don't really see them that much in streaming anymore like name name me a comedy that you've seen in the last three or four years that was bullet huge. train <laughs> no it's not huge that's not <laughs> a comedy um oh, it was kind of but, funny <laughs> that was funny but it's not a comedy it's an action comedy so maybe yeah, it maybe it qualifies a little all right but he um he you know he wrote this really i mean i didn't read it i would love to read it so if chris you're listening you would like to send it to me i'd love to see it but, um, you know, he made like these five points that are sort of very relevant to our conversation. Um, so this is a five point wish list is basically what he ended the memo with. And he says less screens, but a nice theater like the arc light, something we've already talked about. And less screens would sort of fit the mantra you're saying, like sort of going back to a little bit more of an intimate environment. Um, fresh talent and new takes on old ideas, which is not necessarily a bad idea, but there's always something that is up for, you know, can be made funny with a refresh. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously comedy is also very tricky in our current cultural moment, but I think we're seeing a little bit of, you know, a reset in terms of coming back to the idea of comedy is supposed to not always be lovey dovey. It's supposed to sometimes be harsh and sometimes offensive. And that's what kind of makes comedy comedy yeah um and then you know the the other the other one which is relevant to your point about um the broadway shows it's like comedy should feel like a night out and he uses broadway as an example of going to a broadway theater and what that experience is like you don't get that at a theater anymore you just don't like because of what the points you all made you can show up late you've got your assigned seat you've got your ticket in your hand you got your phone in your hand and that's it. And then you go sit down and then you're either focused on the comfort of the seat or if the seat's working, if it's not working, you're not really looking forward to joining you know, the actual. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll tell you in the Broadway experience. theater we went to, there weren't seat rests. I mean, I could barely fit in my seat. Oh they, yeah. Those well, little itty bitty some of those are so old. They've been around yeah. since like the early twenties. I mean, and there are actual so. humans on a stage like 20 feet from me. So I can't yeah. disrupt the entire I right. got stuck in a tiny little seat and I enjoyed it. I yeah. laughed out loud and I like I didn't complain because I didn't get my my slurpee halfway through or whatever. You know? <laughs> the the um I think that we're it's I 
I'm, I actually like the Cinemark thing is basically something we said a couple of years ago when uh, Sumter Redstone died. We said, look, at it. it's mm. got it into the Megaplex, right? We know mm. that the pandemic was going to hurt the Megaplex, but the Megaplex is also unnecessary. Um, Netflix is just the Megaplex on, you know, on crack or um, whatever. Yeah. Just like there's plenty of crap on out your there. TV. We don't need any of this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, what we need is centralized experiences that people, a moment that it's worth having. And if it's one or two or three screens, the old Fox style theaters where there was a good enough moment and the theater could stay alive. It doesn't have to make a major real estate investment with a huge technology in order to compete in this space. There's an evolution there. And I think the need for comedies, you know, uh, community events like comedies. Um, playing itself out like you can see how these items can congregate together the content needs the space the space needs the content and that's what's happening there but i you know that some of this critique about what's driving this bankruptcy where there's not enough product totally there's not a i mean there's plenty of product it's just happened to be on ott platforms so there's not enough reason to go to the theater is what they're really saying um even like we said last week, Prey would have been a really good theatrical experience. But OTT um, took the wind out of it. OTT won out in the Kareem Daniel world. So that's why yeah. it ended up on Hulu. And again, yeah. it, it's it, 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 it goes to the whole Batgirl conversation. You know, Matt Bellani had a, a interesting um, what I'm hearing today where he had two different points of view. He had one exec who who basically said, doesn't matter how bad the movie is, you push it out. You've made an agreement with this artist. You have to push it out. You have to get the movie out. That's the agreement you made. You agreed to make this art with this, with this director. Just release it. And who knows? Maybe a POS can find an audience. That's been known to happen. Yeah. Um, a Venom being a very good example, a garbage movie, but it made a crap load of mo- money. Um, yeah. And then there's another, uh, another executive who's like, that's old. That's an old way of thinking. Like you can't think like that anymore because there are so much competition now. That was fine back 20, 30 years ago when the theater was the experience. You saw a movie slash film in the theater. That was the heyday of Scorsese when he was like, that's, you know, films. That's when you saw films and movies. We knew the difference between a TV movie and a, and a film. Now we don't know what the difference is anymore. And, and that just goes to the sort of the duality that, sort of the back and forth that we're kind of dealing with now in terms of what what is what is the next step forward and it, the problem is if you have all this content the quality is going to degrade and now people are going to be more selective so now you have to be i hate to sound cliche but everyone has said it and it's easy to say it but it's more difficult to, to execute it so you have to make good films yeah you have to and the volume is we know netflix is coming back the heyday of their golden era of anything you want to make someone's going to give you right. money for that's coming yes. to an end. So what comes next? Yeah. Quality. Because quality, when I have uh, finite budgets to mm-hmm. spend, I have to spend my money wisely. So I have to get better yeah. product for yeah. the same dollars. So the, the challenge there is, again, if somebody's running out on OTT, we still need to find new outlets. And it's possible the outlet's going to show up somewhere else, theatrical or other yeah. places. So well, this evolution is very exciting. It's kind of fun to had these conversations about it and obviously kind of covered the topics that are yep. taking place. But I know we're saying, I know we're on to the right track of, Hey, if you're Hollywood is breaking, right? So Hollywood is breaking on that side. But if you want to break into Hollywood, there's new opportunities as well. So Hollywood breaks is very relevant to 
what's happening in the field. And I don't know. I mean, as I read the, the Cinemark news of the theaters closing, you know, what are you thinking? Oh, that's the shame. And then you think, I'm not surprised. And I think, is it also bad? Like it, like it's not, does that what I really want nowadays anyway? So all of those feelings I have uh, with that one piece of news, it kind of leaves yeah. me excited. Not that I'm like, again, like that's too bad, but also, oh, I get it. This is actually this evolution playing itself mm-hmm. out and it's a necessary yep. evolution. So excited to see what Agreed. it comes about. Speaking of excited, Keith, we're really close to our hundredth episode. Wow, hundred. Can you believe it? A hundred. That's insane. I would think we should look back because I think we've aged a lot in the last hundred episodes. We should just compare yeah, ourselves probably. to I our naive. <laughs> <laughs> I think my forehead has gotten a little clearer in the in the picture for sure. <clears throat> my forehead has well, gotten yeah. a little longer as my hair retreats. We, we can probably look at the way we looked. We're probably like just the advancement of our technology. I think our cameras have advanced. Our lighting cameras has have gotten better. The audio has gotten better. So yeah, yeah we've just made the some, host. some tweets. The hosts are the only thing that's not improving. The hosts are the only thing that are going to kind of go like this. <laughs> but the Vision Craft Brew is getting better and better every time. We're yes, doing. it's getting better and better. That's right. I like Vision Craft Brew. <clears throat> well, that's coming up very shortly. So I think yes. we're going to be talking to some friends and doing some look backs or whatever. But um, yeah, we're be closing episode. on that Hubbard episode. So I know. I, don't, I think, you know, the pressure's on you really to, you know, oh. get whatever between now and the hundredth to get a couple of really good topics in here so we can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> topics or guests? I think that was more of a yeah, subtle whatever. reference to guests. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah, I'll get on that. <laughs> well my friend as we count down to 100 it's good to see your face you're going back home next week uh one more episode in maine and then we're heading 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 south that's back great. to uh philadelphia yeah very good well enjoy your week hey and if you get a chance to watch you bullet well. train it's it's funny it i'll was, just wait till it comes on streaming yeah i, I was trying to explain it to, uh, <laughs> my wife would not want to see that movie it's too like yeah, my uh, wife wouldn't Deadpool comedy ish, and she's like yeah, that's I know, I, yeah, that, my my wife definitely wouldn't want to see it. Yeah, I got some catching up to when I get back to the land of um, uh, movie theaters. So, assuming mine's still open because it is a regal. So, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> enjoy what I can. Yeah. All right, have a great week. We'll see you next week. You too. See you next week. <laughs>